Hello and welcome to Songs for the Struggling Artist, the blogcast. Welcome to 2022. Everything's different. No, it isn't. It's just the same. This is episode 285. And my name is Emily Rainbow Davis. Thank you for listening to the blogcast. Hope you all had a lovely transition from one year to another. I have been over here getting together the zine for the patrons over on Patreon and uh, collecting the songs from this very blogcast to send to them. Today's blog, I don't I have really a trigger warning for, although I feel like maybe there should be one, but I don't quite know what it would be, like emergencies, calling for help, uh, references to various um, tragedies. It's not I don't think it's a I don't think it's a bummer of a of a post. Um, but, you know, I don't know. I'm not I'm not the best judge, I guess. I will only note for my international listeners, in case it's not obvious, 911 is the number we call here in the United States when we have an emergency. I know the number is different elsewhere. So probably most of you have seen a lot of American television or film or whatever to already be aware of that particular fact. But in case not, just thought I should make sure you knew what that was. Anyway, here we go. It is called The One Who Called 911. The one I can't stop thinking about is the person who called 911. The person who witnessed the accident that killed my youngest brother. I feel enormous tenderness for that person, even though I know nothing about them. The only thing I know is that they saw the accident and called 911. They will likely have the image of it in their brain forever. I have an imaginary version of it in my brain that will likely be with me for as long, but the caller has the actual event there in their brain. I'm sure it is not a nice thing to have there, and yet I am grateful that that person was present, that they called the emergency line, and did something. It was too late for my brother, but they tried. And I think of them, this person I know nothing of, with so much warmth. They were there for the last moments of Will's life. They were witness to his exit. I'm not sure why it moves me, but it does. Maybe because of this grateful 911 song that keeps playing in my head, I also haven't been able to stop thinking of a 911 call I had to make for a stranger a few weeks before Will's accident. It was a much different situation, but the events are somehow linked in my mind. I'll tell you about it. About halfway up my block, as I walked from my apartment, I noticed a young man who I thought was sitting on a stoop but turned out to be crouching. As I approached, he fell to the ground in front of me quite at my feet, but awfully close. I asked if he was okay, and though he did not answer, it was clear he was not okay. I asked him a couple of questions, and he seemed not to be able to speak. I asked him if I could call him an ambulance, and while he couldn't really say anything, the look in his eyes and the slight nod gave me the permission I felt I needed. 
Note to my readers from other countries, because of our outrageous healthcare system, people will often object to having emergency services called for them, as ambulances are incredibly expensive and are not always covered by folks' insurance. Many people will not thank you for calling an ambulance. When I called 911, they seemed unconcerned, really, more interested in the scrape he'd gotten on his fall to the ground than anything else. But they asked me if he was male or female, and I found myself unsure of how to proceed. He looked male, but I did not want to presume when he couldn't speak for himself. So I said, male? while looking at him inquiringly, and he nodded, so we were clear there. Side note, is gender identity really necessary for this sort of thing? Like, how important is it to know what gender someone in trouble is? Then they asked me how old he was. So I tried asking him, and I think he said 22, and he did not object when I repeated it back. And then they were on their way. The elderly woman who'd been standing nearby all this time asked me something, and I told her the ambulance was on the way. I'd thought she was standing there because she was concerned for this fallen man's welfare. But no, it turns out she was asking for my assistance and walking her around him. She was very unsteady on her feet and was making her way down the block by holding on to fences, and the 22-year-old was on the ground in front of the fence she needed to get by. So I gave her my arm and walked her as far as she would let me, then came back to the young man on the sidewalk, who was now passed out and entirely unresponsive to my voice. As we waited, a woman passed by and said dismissively, Drunk. I said, I don't think so. And as we chatted, she revealed that her husband had had Parkinson's, and people were always assuming he was drunk when he categorically was not. I was fascinated that someone who'd had such a painful experience of someone dear to her being misjudged in this way would do the same to a helpless stranger on the street. A group of young men passed by on the other side of the street and laughed and shouted about drugs. Several people passed by, ready to dismiss this guy because drugs. Was it drugs? Maybe. But people on drugs need help, too. Also, I've seen drugs. This did not look like drugs. I was stunned by how little compassion folks had. This stranger on the sidewalk had just started to turn blue, and I was just starting to panic when the ambulance arrived. The arrival of the paramedics brought him back around a bit, and the paramedics seemed just as unconcerned as everyone else until they took an oxygen reading, and then they swung into swift action, getting out the stretcher, putting him on oxygen, and getting him into the ambulance. Meanwhile, cars behind the ambulance started honking. It was entirely obvious there was an emergency here, and these assholes were honking. Come on, guys, come on. The honking was clearly an annoyance to the paramedics, but they also seemed entirely used to it. I could not believe how jerky these people in their cars were. The stranger on the stretcher was sort of awake now, but very disoriented and kept trying to pull the oxygen out of his nose. They told him they were going to the hospital, and off they went. And I don't know what happened to him from there. I don't know anything. 
I haven't seen him on my street again, but then I'd never seen him on my street before. I hope he's okay. I feel strangely tied to him, like having been with him at this terrible moment, he's now sewn into the fabric of my life, and yet I'll never know how the story will turn out. Nor do I know if that elderly lady, tottering on her red pumps, holding onto fences, ever made it to her destination. I sort of understand why people don't stop to help, don't stop to call 911. Because you do become tied together somehow, in tragedy or fate or something. When you start to care, you can't unstitch yourself from that caring. Every time I pass the spot this guy fell, I think of him. This 22-year-old, who could have been my brother, only seven years younger than my brother, really, ended up on the sidewalk in big trouble and very few people stopped to help. Not only that, a lot of them were real jerks about it. But someone did stop to help my actual brother when he was struck by that motorcycle. Someone was there. Someone made the call, and they were a witness. Even though it ended in tragedy, my family's tragedy, it was a good deed that person did, and I am so grateful to them for it. It can't have been easy, and probably continues to not be, but I am grateful. Also, I realize I'm not 100% certain this person exists. I got a lot of information in a highly concentrated and emotional moment. I'm not entirely certain I didn't make up this person who called 911 at my brother's accident. But I think I've got this right. Someone must have called emergency services because they came. If the circumstance arises, make the call. Someone will be grateful, even if you never meet them. And please don't honk at ambulances taking care of someone in an emergency. At the very least. So it turns out I did have some facts wrong. Uh, Not surprising. (laughs) Uh, But I'm glad to know what they actually are. It's not radically different. It's just that the guy who called 911 didn't actually witness the accident. He basically drove by a minute after it happened. So uh, he wasn't there as the accident was happening. He he passed by it and then called. I I, I guess he, uh, from what I understand, he drove past it, turned around, came back, and then called. Uh, so I'm grateful to that guy. And now I know one more thing about him too, which is kind of sweet. And that is that he was on the road because he's delivering newspapers and it was kind of the middle of the night. Um, and this is a thing, a job that my uncle once did, um, sort of in my childhood, I believe he would get up super early in the morning to go and like drive the papers to the places where, like, the distribution centers, maybe? Anyway, there's, like, a whole world of, of drivers doing stuff in the middle of the night that um, we don't necessarily know about. Uh, but this guy was doing that job. He was driving pa- papers uh, and stopped. So I feel like that's really a kind of a sweet, uh, I don't know. I, I, know, I know a guy who used to do that job, and he is also a real great human so 
Uh, yeah. So, it, it, what do I have for a song? Something that's maybe not quite so sad. I did have a kind of an interesting exploration before I settled on uh, the Aretha Franklin song that I'm going to give you here in just a minute. Um, but I found uh, a playlist put together by EMTs for EMTs, basically. So it's like a, a playlist that they, I, I don't know if they play it in the in the vehicles or whether they just like play it to get pumped before they go do the job. Um, but it's kind of a cool find. Um, there's a song that I hadn't heard of on it before, which I was considering, uh, called The Artist in the Ambulance. Um, didn't turn out to feel like exactly... I, I I messed around with it a little bit, but it, I I didn't have the I don't know I didn't have the vibe for it really. <laughs> but yeah, there was there were there were a whole lot of a little um, I don't know surprises on that list. Um, I can't remember what any of those are right now, but you know I like the idea of the EMTs like getting together and be like, all right, this song is great for going out on a call. Uh, so yeah, so I looked at that and I looked at, um, an Amy Mann song called Save Me and a, I don't even remember what the fourth song I was thinking about, but I settled on this Aretha Franklin song called Save Me, also called Save Me. Um, it has nothing to do with emergency services, of course, but I like the idea of kind of making that fun, fun connection of being saved. Uh, having someone save you, and uh, and this song. So uh, in a moment, I will play for you Aretha Franklin's Save Me. And meanwhile, I would like to thank you for listening to the blogcast in this new year. Uh, if you like it, please tell someone about it. Share it in the various places or just with your fellow humans. Uh, you can share it with animals, but I don't think they have anything they can do about it. I think you have to really just have to play it for them if you want them to hear it. Um, if you would like to support this show with your dollars, patreon.com slash Emily R. Davis is, uh, I would say, the top choice. But then there's also Kofi and PayPal. Patreon is kind of like, you know, a commitment if you just feel like, you know, tossing a few dollars my way. Those other two are good solutions. All those links are in the show notes. Uh, so here in Save Me, uh, which is a song that is much higher than I realized, I did not realize how high Aretha Franklin sings, can sing, does sing, not all the time, obviously. I don't think of her as a soprano, but I could not sing it in the key that it's, it's written in. Nope, couldn't do it. I mean, I could. If I had, if I was like, all right, this is your goal, and I worked toward it, I, I could do it. But I brought this down quite a few steps. Um, so I I'd never, I guess I didn't really sing along with this one, maybe? I don't know, when I used to listen to it. Anyway, it was, I was surprised at how high it actually was. And is now much less so. Uh, so I'm doing it on guitar, and I have 
uh, I love the horn section so much that I decided to sing it for you. So there, there is a voiced horn section. It's not horns, obviously. It's me. Um, but uh, yeah, so you can enjoy the horn solo. Horns solo. The solo of the horns in the middle. And I believe that is all that I have to say about it. Uh, enjoy. And again, thank you for listening. And I'll uh, see you next week. Save me. Save me. Somebody save me. Save me. Somebody save me. Promised myself after the first romance I wouldn't give you a second chance They say if you seek, you're sure to find But the closer I get to you, baby, you drive me stone out of my mind Save me, oh yeah Save me, yeah Those who love always give the most We're crying together from coast to coast Love leaves us cold and hurt inside These tears of ours unjustified Begging you to save me Yeah, need somebody to save me to do if, if you think anything about me 